Well, good morning, everyone. Good to see you for 2021. Happy New Year. All right, that sounds good, and good morning to everyone out there on Facebook Live. We're so glad that you're able to join us as it is just three days into 2021, and we are so excited that we can start off the new year as we already have with a baby dedication, a child dedication. We're so excited um, that we were able to uh, just be able to send to you that, that excitement for what God is doing even in our midst. As Pastor Dennis mentioned earlier, we have seven or eight new people that are going to be joining us in the church, and we'll see some baptisms this month. So we're excited about getting things started, even in the midst of everything that we're going through as a nation and even globally. So let's be encouraged to continue to move forward, which happens to be our new sermon series entitled Forward. And we want to keep moving forward, not just because it's a cliche, we just have to keep moving forward or because we've had this campaign of seeing the new things in our worship center and all that God is doing and allowing for us to move forward. But we also have to see that I think I believe forward for his glory and his honor and his praise. You know, um, some, some years ago, uh, the movie Soul Surfer came out and it's a depiction of a, of a person by the name of Bethy, Bethlehem uh, Hamilton, Bethany Hamilton, and she was one who had a, a shark attack. Was, uh, her arm was removed during a time when she was practicing in the waters with a friend. And what had happened was the tragedy of the loss of her arm uh, created a frenzy in her life uh, with her family. Um, it, it was difficult to determine how do you move forward knowing that your arm is removed from your body. Here for so many years, she was functioning with two arms. Now she only has one at the age of 13. And here she had to ask the questions. As a Christian, as a believer in a family of believers, she had to ask the question, you know, God, what are you going to do with my life, doubting and wondering what is going to happen to me. Am I going to be able to surf again? Whereas the question that she came out with, she wanted, she wanted to be a professional surfer and she didn't know what would that entail moving forward with just one arm and having to also wonder, will she ever be able to get married? Will any man want her with just one arm? Will she be able to function by having children, which is the delight of a woman to be able to do so? But here, she didn't know. She had many uncertainties in her life, and her future was truly uncertain. But she decided she had to move forward in her life, even as a young person. I recall of an interview on TV. They said, are you ever going do you ever think about surfing again? She goes, I think I know I'm going to surf again. And so it's exciting to see a young woman like her, even at a very young age, to grow and to move forward to believe that she was going to surf again. But we'll talk a little bit more about Bethany in short moment. But we're going to look at the life of Joshua, and we're going to look through the book of Joshua for the next five weeks about talking about going forward. Because as we look at the background, there was Moses and there was Joshua, and Moses was the leader of God's people from the time of the Red Sea and the parting of the Red Sea and coming out of Egypt and moving forward towards the Promised Land. And as Moses was being used of God, we see him as a leader, as the Scriptures makes clear. But now we see towards the end of his life that he had to hand off the baton to another potential leader. His name was Joshua. 
And as we see in this relationship, there's a relationship that we see of leadership and the mentorship that was going on between two men. And as we look at this passage, or we look at this book, we have to see that the passing of baton, it talks about their leadership and the vacuum of a leadership. And so as we think about it, we have to make sure we understand that 40 years the Israelites went through the wilderness. It only should have taken them 11 days to reach to the promised land, but because of sin, because of falling away from God and looking to other gods and looking to the other foreign gods around them, they fell away and it took them 40 years to eventually get to the place where they were just focusing on the promised land. And as we understand, too, is that throughout this episode, throughout this journey, the Israelites did not surrender their hearts to God, and they fell into that trap. And so God had to bring Joshua to this place to hand that baton from Moses to Joshua to take them through a conquest, a military conquest to take over the land amidst of the people who were foreigners, who were truly engaged with military and fighting people off. The Canaanites specifically, just a heinous people, God wanted to use his people to drive them out, a smaller force as Israelites to drive out a bigger force of the Canaanites. All over the land, and God said, I'm promising you this land. I already have promised it to you, and now you need to believe that I'm calling you to move forward to possess the land. And so as we think about spiritual leadership, we first have to look at Moses, we have to understand Moses. Moses was obviously was the one whom God placed on Mount Sinai to deliver his Ten Commandments, as we know as the law, but the Pentateuch is the first five books of the Old Testament. And we have to understand, too, that God used Moses to lead millions of people out of Egypt to this promised land to be able to see a good, a, a land of milk and honey, something that was good for his people. So God used Moses with such skill and leadership and character during that time to be able to carry them out. But there was one other thing. Moses as a leader often failed. And we have to remember that God never called us to be perfect, he never said that we were not going to fail. In fact, it's a condition we are going to fail. It's not an if, it's when. And when we fail, we have to understand that God has not called us to sit down, but to continue to move forward. Remember, leadership is not the absence of failure, but moving forward after failure. It's how we get back up on our feet and keep moving Forward And remember, too, that Moses was a man who had a unique relationship with God because in Numbers 12, he was face-to-face -face with God. He had intimacy with God, and God used him to disciple and mentor Joshua, and the passing of the baton was to a man who was full of grace. There were two specific leadership qualities that Joshua had as it was handed off to him, and that baton that was handed off to him was he had two things, the spirit of Yahweh and a wholehearted obedience to God. So as we see that, we have to understand there's that passing over. And Joshua, it wasn't as though he passed it over and said, hey, Joshua, take over. <laughs> Here you go, just figure it out and take over with no experience. 
we understand, too, in the scriptures that Joshua was, was a man who followed and saw Moses. He came alongside of Moses, and he learned. And he learned and saw the failure. He learned through the struggle and the fear. And he learned to grow and realize in the things in which you want to do. I'm going to tell you something. One of the greatest things we could do as leaders, because I believe we're all called to be leaders, is that we have to take someone alongside us to show them what they should not do sometimes. <laughs> not what they should do, but also what they should not do, because we fail often. But God in his mercy and his grace, he allows us to get back up and move forward because that's how we're able to serve the Lord. And a servant needs to always do that, has to get back up. And so as we understand Joshua, he saw some of these victories and some of the failures that happened. Even in Exodus 17, we see that he was in the first military victory against the Amalekites army. And he was able to be victorious by being a part of that and leading that. Exodus 24, we see that he was, with, he was with Moses as he was going up to Mount Sinai. And Numbers 13, as we know, Kadesh Barnea, that he was there. Joshua and Caleb were there of the 12 that were going up to spy on the land. There were the two that believed with a good report that God could take them over because he believed, he and Caleb believed that God could take over the land through them. And so Joshua was a man with great courage, a man of great character, a man who had the spirit of Yahweh on him. And so as we understand, when we look at Joshua chapter 1, verse 1, we're going to see just in this particular passage that Moses moves on as he dies and it's handed over to Joshua. So what is it going to take? It took Joshua courage. It took Joshua the courage, and that's what we're going, we're going to make sure that we understand that it takes courage for Joshua um, to, to, to move forward. I need help here with the, the monitor. And so uh, it takes courage for God. And so here are a couple of things. God has called us to take courage in. God has, take, God has called us to take courage. And one of those things that he has is he's taking us, taking us that through his plan. Look with me to Joshua 1, 1 and 2. Joshua 1, 1 and 2. It says this, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Let me stop there for just a minute. Joshua was 90 years old. <laughs> Now, I don't know about you, but I'm 52 years old, and I'm struggling right now with a bum knee and my back that hurts, and I have a psoas muscle for all you medical people out there, a psoas muscle that, that is tight, and I need to loosen it up because I'm barely walking. I don't know about you, but I can't imagine God calling me at 90 years old to go on a military conquest. I wouldn't even imagine trying to take over the land. I can't even take care of my own house, let alone the land. And so it's crazy to think that God would call someone like Joshua. Now, we have pastor who who's here with us. And, and what we have to understand is that an older gentleman who's 89 years old, who's a former pastor, is part of our church. He, he is 89, and I, I failed to ask him after the service, but I can guarantee you that he would have the passion to go and do that. But I would still question myself. But the idea of 90 years old and Caleb at 85, and God was calling them forward to move forward to trust him for this. And it was his plan. It was God's plan for Joshua to be at 90 years old. And he lived to 110. So he was 20 years in this campaign. At the end of this book, you'll see that he has died, but he did it with such passion. But it was God's plan. But here's the key phrase here that we might kind of blow over when we're reading. The servant 
of the Lord. 18 times is mentioned in the Old Testament. 14 of those are mentioned in this book. 13 of those 14 were mentioning of Moses. So Moses, although he failed, and although he was not able to take them to the promised land in this conquest, God still refers to him as a servant of the Lord. So that's help and hope for us, because we who are called to be God's servants, we need to realize God has called us. Even when we fail, he's still going to use us. Because so often we're afraid to fail. We're afraid to be transparent. We're afraid to be vulnerable. We're afraid that if people see that we failed, then they're not going to like us anymore. They're not going to esteem us or respect us. So instead of being transparent and vulnerable, we hide it and we pretend like we're not afraid. But God is saying that we should be vulnerable and transparent, admit that we are afraid and that we are going to fail. Because through it, then we can know that God can use us mightily through that transparency and vulnerability. And so through this, we understand, too, the word assistant is a key word because that's the mentor that was happening between Moses and Joshua. He was an aide. He was a help. Joshua was there to support him, and Joshua learned on-the-job training. So I ask you the question, do you believe you're a leader? So you're called to be a leader, whether you're in your home, whether you're at your job, whether you're in your neighborhood, wherever, grandparent, parent, whomever you, wherever you go, but you're a child of God. You're called to be a leader. So who are you leading? Who are you mentoring? Who are you discipling? Is there someone in your life? Is 2021 going to be the year that you're finally going to say, I'm going to disciple someone? I have talked to so many people who are Christians for 30 years, and I've asked them that question. Who are you discipling? Have you ever discipled anyone? And all of a sudden, you just hear, nobody talks. Why? Because I think people forget, the children of God forget that we're called to be leaders, to lead someone else. And what a great opportunity for us to lead people in the midst of a pandemic, but to lead people who desperately need it now, to love them with mercy and grace because they're searching for God. They're searching, wondering, when are we going to get out of this? Let me be honest with you. If you're waiting to get out of COVID, stop it because it's not going to end yet. You got to realize that God's called you in this moment to serve and to lead, and you got to take the moment, take this moment and run with it because we can't wait for it to be over. It may not be over. So, what do we do? We keep on moving forward. That's the key. That's God's plan. And that we need to be mentoring. We have to learn to be servants of the Lord. We need to be surrendered to God. I love what I was saying in this statement Joshua learned to serve before he led. One must be a servant before one can be a leader. You have to learn that. If we're called to be leaders, we have to learn to be servants. Even Aristotle said, he said, he who has never learned to obey cannot be a good commander. And so we have to learn to serve. We have to learn to obey. We have to also be ready to lead. It's so important for us. And that's the key. Even Jesus said it in a parable when he mentioned, he said, when the master said to him, well done, good faithful servant, you have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into joy of your master. We need to be servants. We need to be faithful. We need to be that servant so we can be leaders. Number two, God has challenged us to take courage in his promises. It's very obvious here in this passage that God has called and constantly reminds Joshua and Moses over the years, and he reminded Abraham, the patriarchs, of the promise that he would be with them. But here's what he says in verse three. He says, every place... 
that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I, will, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. Now, in verse 2, just as I just want to go back to it, it says, Moses, my servant is dead. And he moves on, as we stated. And now, therefore, arise. Go over this Jordan, you and all his people, into the land that I've given to them, to the people of Israel. God is saying, you're going. I've promised it to you. I've given this to you, a land. I've promised it to Abraham. I've promised it to Jacob. I've promised it to Isaac. And I've promised it to all of those who are before you. Now it's time for you to take on the land. See, there's a promise here and to go and take on the land. But as, as the promise has been given, we have to understand, too, that sometimes we think that we should just sit on it. We don't have to do much. God's given it to me, so I just wait until he gives it to me, right? You just wait back. You're cool. You're collective. You're rested. I'm resting in the Lord. I don't have to do anything for it. Not true in the Hebrew thought. Not true. In fact, this word means, has two thoughts. It means they must fight to get it, pursue, and they must follow the Lord's direction, obey. So the whole, the two thoughts are we need to pursue with obedience. So you and I know that God's given us many promises, but we don't just sit and wait back for that promise. We don't rest and be complacent and comfortable because that is one of the enemies of, of our walk with God. Even comparison is our killer. But we need to continue to move forward and believe God. We need to fight for what he's given us. We need to pursue. We need to chase. We need to know that this is the promise that he, when he gives us a promise, that we have to surrender ourselves and move forward. And that's what he's doing. But obedience is the key to that. I love some of these statements that I'm about to share with you. It is impossible to stand still, Warren Wernsby says, in Christian life and service. For when you stand still, you immediately start going backward. I mean, it's so true. We get complacent, we get comfortable, and we're moving backwards. We're going like this. We're not moving forward. We're just kind of just moving. And we think we're okay because we're resting, but we're really becoming status quo. We then become apathetic. God's never called us, even if it's tough. And you say, man, it's tough. I don't know what to do. You know what's so hard when our walk with God is we have to continue to be repetitive. We have to continue to obey. We have to continue to trust. Yes, it's mundane. It's overwhelming. It's like, okay, Lord, I got to trust you again. Okay, Lord, I got to fight again. Okay, Lord, I got to pray again. Okay, Lord, I got to obey you again. Sometimes the rebel in us just wants to move on. A rebel with a cause. We want to take off and sin. But God's saying, no, the way to move forward is to keep trusting me. That's what God is saying, to keep pursuing me, to trust in my promises. And then when you do, I will move you forward. You see, this is the whole thing. One cannot win the battle without being in the fight. You gotta be in that fight to win the battle. You gotta be in the fight to move forward. You can't be complacent. You gotta keep moving forward. Charles Spurgeon says it. He says of Joshua, he says, Joshua was not to use the promise as a couch upon which his idleness might indulge, but as a girdle wherewithin to gird up his loins for future activity. So it's vital that we keep moving forward for the kingdom of God. Number three, God has called us to take courage in his presence. You know, again, we've, we've, we talked about this the last couple of sermons. We talked about sitting at the feet of Jesus. We talked about surrendering our hearts to God. We talked about, you know, moving forward for the kingdom of God in the midst of this pandemic. But here's the thing. We've got to keep moving forward. And so he called Joshua to do the same. In verse 5, he says this, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. 
just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. That's Emmanuel, God with us. That's a promise he's made throughout the Old Testament that God promises to be with you and I and throughout eternity. It's not something that is just at 10 years old, at 20 years old, at 30 years old, at 40 years For goodness sake, he was 90 years old and God was still with him. I mean, Caleb was 85 and he was running around like a young man. That's going to be Pastor Dennis. And so it's a whole idea that it's the idea that he's going to still be running. I got my six weeks or six days in this week. I'm still learning to run to the, all I run to is to the cabin. I run for the food. That's all I run for. But the whole idea is that no matter what, no matter what, God was with him. And he says, be strong and courageous, and you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. See, God keeps repeating it over and over and over again. Obey me, pursue me, obey me, pursue me. Don't give up. Keep the fight. I've promised it to you. I've given it to you, but you got to keep moving forward. And that's what he's doing here. He's saying, being my presence, be with me. Even in Deuteronomy, he was saying it towards the end of the life of Moses. He says, it is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Even in a parallel passage in Deuteronomy, chapter 11 and 7, And he will give their kings into your hand, and you shall make their name perish for under heaven. No one shall be able to stand against you until you have destroyed them. So God is saying that in the midst of my presence, I will protect you. I will be there for you. But you have to trust that I am there for you. The word strong, when he says being strong and courageous... It's, it's mentioned uh, over 300 times in the Old Testament and 40 times for, for the word courageous. And so God continues to repeat that to all his people throughout the Old Testament, how important it was for them to be strong in the Lord. And that through that, the imperfect in the Hebrew means to continually do it. That means when it's mundane and it's old and it's an old message and you're tired of obeying, you're tired of giving in, and you're tired of saying, okay, Lord, one more time, let me pray. God is saying, continue, continue to trust in me, strong and courageous, strong and courageous, and then you will be able to move forward. That's what he was telling them. It wasn't just for a military conquest. They were a people of God identified for them to represent around the Gentiles all around them, all the different nations around them. God was doing that. But you and I, as we see even in this passage, we have to continue being strong and courageous, strong and courageous. Protection through our struggles, protections through the uncertainty, the protection under the fear, protection in the worries. If you're obsessively worrying about the COVID, it's okay, God is still with you. He's not giving up on you. And if you're struggling because of your marriage or you're struggling because you see this wayward child, God is with you. He wants to carry you through that. He wants to help you to take care of your child. He wants to help you in your marriage. But you and I have got to surrender and submit to God. So that's the key component to all this. So when we take courage in God's plan, promises, and presence, we gain passion and become prosperous. Look with me here in verses 7 through 9. This is part of the culmination of this passage. It says, for only be strong and very courageous. I mean, you know, actually Hebrew word in verse 6 means harsh. I know you'd think, wow, harsh? What means to 
really grew, just kind of work through it, be harsh, just be, be strong through it, just keep moving forward, don't give up. It's like that mindset of don't give up. Just be strong through it. Don't give in but, and don't give up. So it's being strong and very courageous, being careful to do all according to the law that Moses, my servant, there it goes, my servant commanded you. So even though Moses went out in a bad way, God still lifted him up, <laughs> called him his servant, and he says, do that which your servant, my servant, has done in commanding you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left. Don't focus here or here. Focus only one area. What does it say then? It goes on to say this. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth because when it doesn't, you will have success. Here it goes. And it goes on to say, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you will be careful to do all according to that which is written. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Twice he's saying that in two verses. Why? Where is the success? In the military campaign? Driving the people out of the land? Where is the success in the journey? If the word depart means not to allow it to withdraw from a place, then are where, where is it that we're often doing? What's happening? Why is it that the word of God is departing from our mouths? I think sometimes because we're not meditating. Meditating doesn't mean to like empty yourself. Um, um, that's not what it means. See, meditating, it means to read in an undertone, to coo like a baby, right? To mutter, audibly speak, to speak often to yourself the truth so it's etched into your mind and your heart. So when you speak the word of God, it's now as you continue, and they would audibly speak it, all who were the Israelites, even the rabbis, they would speak it audibly so that it would then be etched into your mind and your heart, and then you would be careful to do that which it says. So when we listen to music and we're listening to it and we're listening to it, how many of you who are older like me can, can sing the whole Brady Bunch theme? I bet lots of you can, right? Because we saw it over and over. Oh, Gilligan's Island, we saw it over and over. Or oh, the Jeffrey, I'm moving on up to the east side. You would sit there and you would just kind of say it because it's natural. How much more if we meditated on God's word and kept saying it and meditated and meditated? All of a sudden, could you imagine what the church would look like? We would actually be doing what God's telling us to do. We would actually obey God. We'd be able to be different to a world that's living in a pandemic where they're hurting. They're hurting with fear and worry and concern. And you and I have to be the leaders to lead them to move forward. We have to be the light to a world that's living in darkness. And what are we doing? We have to meditate on his word. And when we meditate on his word, we'll be careful to do what it says, and we obey him. And when we obey him, we'll be successful and prosperous, not financially prosperous. God's not blessing you financially. He wants to bless you as his child so you could be a leader and mentor someone else and disciple them. That's what God's calling us to do. But so often we get caught up in this world, and we think blessings are the very physical things we have rather than the spiritual spiritual relationship that we have with, to, to Joshua, meaning Moses and God had an amazing, amazing, amazing relationship. But Moses had the opportunity to build and do life with Joshua. He was discipling him. No different than what we could do today. So who are you mentoring? Who's in your life? If you're a leader, 
Someone's got to be following. Otherwise, you're not a leader. And so God is calling us to do so. But I love what Warren Wormsby, he says about talking the Bible. He says, if you don't talk your Bible, your Bible isn't likely to talk to you. I mean, that's a simple statement. I mean, so simple. But it derives, that's where our passion comes from, when we're meditating on God's word. And then when we do, we're going to see amazing things happen. You know, the word prosperous means to achieve success. It's achieving. And what they were going to achieve was going to be astronomical, but it was going to be God who was going to do it through them. In 2 Kings 18, 5 through 7, they, it spoke of Hezekiah, one of the greatest kings to live in the lineage of David. And, and it was spoken of him this way. He said, he trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, so that there was none like him among all the kings of Judah after him, nor among those who were before him. For he held fast to the Lord. He did not depart from following him, but kept the commandments that the Lord commanded Moses. And the Lord was with him. Wherever he went, he prospered. He rebelled against the king of Assyria and would not serve him. He struck down the Philistines as far as Gaza and its territories, from watchtower to fortified city. I was talking about Bethany Hamilton earlier. I love her statement. She had a movie documentary entitled Unstoppable. She talked about her life and what happened about the removal of her arm from a shark attack. And she positively made a statement. She says, the life I have now with one arm is, I think, so much more awesome. She says, even if I had kept my two arms, I'd have a lot of success with surfing, but it just might not have had the same impact that it has had. The challenge of doing it all with one arm, that's really exciting. And there's no one else really doing it what I'm doing. I'm like in my own genre. I mean, I love it. I love that statement because what Bethany was saying is she's like, I'm going to believe God. She has a husband, two children. She surfed again. She won a competition in 2014. She knocked off the top contender in another uh, competition. She was on fire, but she was working hard. She knew that she had a chance to surf again, but she worked extra hard. And she figured, you know what? I'm not going to be anybody different than anyone else. In fact, in 2016 at the ESPY Awards, she denied the award and said, I am not one who's disabled. She goes, I am not a disabled person, therefore I will not receive the award because I'm just like anyone else, so I won't take it. She didn't see herself as someone special. She just saw herself as someone who could be used of God. And, you know, she started a ministry called Friends of Bethany. It's a 5013C3 nonprofit organization whose vision is to establish individuals to be overcomers in Christ, to bring that vision into reality. She goes, she reaches out to encourage a broken world by offering hope to overcome those through Jesus Christ. And so she calls it Friends of Bethany, and she hosts events and all. That is the woman that she wanted to be, to be used of God. She wasn't going to let that one arm being removed from her body stop what God was going to do in her life. So what about you and I? How do we become truly successful? Have you been meditating on the word of God? Have you been speaking it outwardly, audibly? Have you been memorizing it? Have you asked God that you would obey it? That's where true success is. Success is not what we do. It's what God is doing through us. You know, in Joshua chapter 10, when the people of God 
were being, you know, the Israelites were being cornered by those people that were out there in the, in the land of what they would call Canaan and all the different foreign people that were there. They were being cornered. And then God came and stepped in and said, I will be with you. I will overtake these people through you. Keep moving forward. And when they did, a miracle came. He dropped hailstones on them. And when he did, more people died with hailstones than the sword. God intervened and said, I will overcome your struggle, your difficulty, your conquest, your fear, your worry, your your uncertainty. I will do it. All he asks of you and I is to take courage, to trust him. See, courage doesn't mean we're not afraid. In fact, I believe we are afraid. Courage means we're willing to face our fear with the strength only God provides. So it takes courage to encourage your spouse when they're in pain or feeling abandoned. Rather than blaming them and putting them down or saying, get with it and suck it up, it takes a lot of courage to encourage them. I'm learning that. (laughs) Or it takes a lot of courage to be strong for your children when they're living in anxiety. It takes a lot of courage because you can easily just say, come on, what's wrong with you? Get over it. What's the big deal? You're anxious over nothing. It takes courage to validate their anxiety, to talk to them. That's an area I'm working on, too, that God's working through me. It takes courage to remain in a job for the sake of your family, even when you hate it. It takes courage. It takes courage to stay in your marriage when you want to give up. It takes courage. It takes courage to put up with your child after all they do is wrong, 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 wrong. And you're like, when are they ever going to do right again? And you just want to smack them around once in a while, but you can't. And so you have to move on. It takes courage not to do those things. It takes courage. And here's the thing. They say what fears you the most consumes you the most. So what are you afraid of? What are we afraid of? What is the one thing that we need to take courage in our lives? I want to encourage you before we head out this morning to just give you one opportunity to just sit before the Lord, even you who are out there on Facebook, to sit before the Lord and ask him, what is it that you need to do to take courage in your life? What is that one thing that's consumed you in fear? And what is God asking you to do that? I want to give you just a couple of moments before we end in prayer. Today, Father, I pray that you would give us the courage to look inside of ourselves and to face one of the greatest fears we ever have, the fear to fail, our inner, just our vulnerabilities, our insecurities, inadequacies. Pray that we would be willing to take the courage to look at ourselves and believe that you can do anything through us if we would just surrender ourselves to you. Father, I'm grateful that you've shown us through Joshua at 90 years old that you gave him the courage to trust you and that he was able to be used of you up to 110 years old to overcome a military conquest, to overcome a raging river a mile long, to overcome the battle of Jericho, to overcome the sin in I and, and to be able to, in Achan, who has sinned, 
and how they had to move forward, but you weren't allowed them to until they dealt with that sin. Or with the sun standing still or the hailstones that you intervened and delivered your people. God, so many battles that happened throughout the book of Joshua. And we see the life of Joshua. What a man and a leader. But he was surrendered with the spirit of Yahweh. And he obeyed you. God, may we be a people take courage to be surrendered to you. To take courage in your plan, your promises, your presence. That we will be prosperous in doing so. And successful. God, today, encourage us this new year, this 2021, to trust you for a new year moving forward for your kingdom's sake. We love you. We surrender our lives to you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hey, before we leave, I just want to say thank you for your generosity in 2020. We were able to get through this past year, even financially, um, where we're asking that we're going to encourage you to continue to be faithful to God. Uh, As we will in a couple of weeks, I'll be sharing a video with you. And as we have a family gathering, as Pastor Dennis mentioned, please, if you would come out, if you're a member of our church, we'd invite you to come out on the 17th. And for all those on Facebook, thank you for continually uh, just being with us through this time. We will continue with Facebook in this new year, excited about what God is going to do moving forward for his kingdom's sake. God bless you. We'll see you soon.